You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the podcast of champions. Let's go with that for this week. <laughs> I, I got to come up with a catchphrase every week, I feel like. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure. That is. That's too much pressure. I think I should stop doing that, probably. But, <laughs> catchphrase. Yeah. Episode 585, if you're counting at home. And uh, we know you are. Surely, surely you are at this point. Um, we hope you enjoyed, it's Will and Sammy, we hope you enjoyed last week's uh, show, a little long overdue review of Champagne and Bullets. Uh, we couldn't get the uh, scheduling together, but we did get, you know, uh, one out that uh, seems to be pretty popular with the listeners. It got downloaded quite a bit, pretty quickly. So, obviously, we uh, struck a nerve. I'm sure folks wanted to hear us talk about that for some time. It was a lot of fun, right? That was, I just smiled looking at the... The poster for that when you dropped it, it was like, yeah, that was a good, that was a good one. That was yeah. classic uh, review right there. I had to put the John DeHart eyeballs <laughs> in frame. It's very important, those eyes. They're dead eyes. They're like a doll's eyes. They're uh, dead eyes, just like Quint would say. <laughs> <laughs> you ever look into a shark's eyes, Hooper? Anyway, um, uh, so we are back this week and we're going to talk. So we've had some, uh, some people pass away recently. Uh, some, some heavy hitters in GGTMC land. Not that any actor or person or anything is above anybody else, but there's certain actors that kind of are in the 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 ethos or the are the, they're just in they're in the what's the word the DNA of what we are, right? And what? yeah, I would say that Fred Ward is one of those, and yeah. certainly, unfortunately, Ray Liotta is one of those as well. And uh, unfortunately, in the last few weeks, we've lost both. Yep. And it's just really, it's just really, you know, it's it's just a reminder that life is precious, life is short. Enjoy your time because you never know um, when you will leave this uh, earthly coil, and who knows what's going on, on the other side. I hope it's all uh, rainbows and sunshine and clouds and and happiness and all that kind of stuff. I really do hope that's what happens, but 
you know, I'm not a man of faith, so I believe it's just like pitch black. But either way, just try to, you know, just a reminder, appreciate every single moment, guys, even the down moments. Remember, there's always somebody that's got it worse than you do. So into that. Yeah. Try to try to keep a smiling face and listen to me and Will. Go back and listen to five hundred and eighty five episodes of us acting like clowns. So that'll 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 do. That'll help you, right? Absolute machismo <laughs> and tomfoolery. Listen, in one class. listen to us in the beginning when we didn't have children. And then listen to us as we progress through the children phases. <laughs> and then listen to Todd and I and Will and Todd and I and all the guests we've had over the years and all the interviews. Just go back and listen to the whole thing, man. We got you covered for like, I don't know, 15 years maybe. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. It really is. Well, if you just listen to one show a week, we got you covered for almost 14, yeah. Well, maybe 15 years counting the bonus episodes, yeah. When you put it that way, if you listen to one show a week, we got you covered for probably yeah about 15 years it's nuts it's wow. nuts <laughs> yeah it's nuts i know there's a lot of audio i've often said i think i was joking around with the guys from not about this and maybe randy i've often said that if i ever lost my voice somebody could easily synthesize a, a voice box for me because uh i've said every word in the human language on the show <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i could probably communicate <laughs> some words more than others yes Yes, some words way more than others. Um, this week we're talking about Time Rider, The Adventures of Lyle Swan uh, from 1982, uh, directed by one William Deere. That's what we're going to be talking about today. A Fred Ward jam, maybe an underseen one. Uh, there's a certain age group of us that are quite aware of it, but it's it's even though most people know about it, it kind of really isn't talked about very much. So we'll kind of talk about that and see how we felt about it on a rewatch. Um. I think I got one voicemail for us. I do have a couple of emails. I don't always read the emails right away, but I want to go ahead and get those out of the way, Will. If you don't mind, I'm going to read them right now. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, I got a couple here. One second. Um, let's see. Got one from uh, Nolan, uh, who's a longtime listener. He just says, uh, great episode. Can't wait for next week. Can't, uh, Cat of Nine Tails. So he's just telling us, great episode. Uh, that was a while back. But I just want to make sure no one knew that I still I hang on to all these emails. <laughs> uh, Zoe from uh, the Backlook uh, Cinema Podcast. So I did a Not a Bomb uh, kind of special series with them where we did the Cowboy Bebop thing. I had never seen it, so I kind of they asked me to do it with them, and I did it. And on the final finale episode, there was a gentleman on there who has his own podcast, and his his podcast is it's called the Backlook Podcast. His name is Zoe, and he does this with his son primarily, where they go back and look at films. Uh, from the past, and his son's looking at these older films and stuff. So it's kind of like some of the stuff we talk about with kids and stuff and having kids and, and showing them things. And, and he does a podcast on this. He's a real nice gentleman. He uh, sent an uh, um, email uh, here. So he said, I like your thoughts uh, whenever I, uh, I appeared on the uh, Not a Bomb. So I finally got around to listening to your show, the GGTMC. I chose the Mr. Goodbar episode, as I've always heard of but never seen looking for Mr. Goodbar. Your analysis was thought-provoking and got me thinking that I might want to watch it, especially considering that LeVar Burton was in it. I'm not so excited to find that it's A, hard to get, B, drags a little, and C, over two and a half hours long. It's about two hours, but two hours, ten minutes, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll get around to it someday, but thanks for introducing me to the film at the, at the least. Uh, if we'd like to come on to the Backlook Cinema Podcaster sometimes, or if we ever need a guest host, he would be glad to step in. So... There you go. Zoe from the Backlook Cinema Podcast. Go ahead and check those guys out over there. He's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, there we go. More movie loving, right? That's what we want in this world. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's see here. I got the uh, voicemail as well. I often wonder if uh, Walt misses us when we have one of those bonus episodes where I don't play anything in the intro. Uh, there you go. Here we go. Here's Walt. Oh, well, let me make sure Will can hear this. Jesus. Get this in here. Here we go. You click that button, then you press this button, and you say, hey, hello, here we go. Gentlemen, it's Walt. In response to Linus's question of last week, what movie would you like to go back and watch as a kid? Now, um, a little bit about me. I'm uh, just a little bit younger than you guys. And uh, funny enough, I, I don't think I was a huge movie fan as a kid, although there were certainly movies, you know, uh, one in particular like Temple of Doom that was a very, you know, impressionable on me as a kid. But I don't think the movie thing really hit me until I was an adolescent and uh, started getting into more of the harder horror movies. Um, but um, at the same time, as a kid, I knew there were ninjas and I loved ninjas, even though I can't recall actually seeing one of those ninja movies as a kid, huh. although I'm perhaps a little bit too young for the uh, for the canon movies. So, you know, I'd like to go back and, uh, as a kid, watch uh, Ninja 3, the domination, for a little of that hot V8 action. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just recently rewatched Ninja 3 with uh, some folks up, uh, up Troy's way. Uh, that was an experience, to watch it with a group of people and stuff. Uh, some folks who had never seen it before, and their mind was kind of blown, as you can imagine. It's incredible. It's got such a strong opening, and that V8 scene he's talking about is pretty incredible. Yeah, there's there's nothing quite like that V8 scene. That that's uh, in a world of unique cinematic moments, that's got to be top ten. It's got to be in there somewhere because I still to this day do not understand the logic <laughs> of the V8 scene. Um, but yeah, uh, Walt, you got plenty of time to watch all the movies you want to watch. You're on the right path, it seems to me. So, uh, I, I do lament you being younger because you have that many more years to watch that much more stuff. <laughs> yeah, he brings up a good point. I don't know if we had mentioned it when talking about the stuff that we we watched as kids or we wish we watched for the first time. I feel like we probably mentioned this, but that was a few weeks ago, and my memory is horrible at times. Uh, in spite of the fish oil and crosswords, um, stuff like Temple of Doom and some of that Spielberg stuff really, uh, and like Back to the Future, like the Zemeckis Spielberg stuff lucas stuff really has more shine for me as a parent seeing it through my kids eyes uh-huh yeah I, I don't know I, I love it a lot more now than i did when i was a kid and became sort of a cynical cool teen right so yeah yeah well i think i think you know it's just how things hit you right i mean i was a horror movie guy growing up uh you know a lot of us were a lot of us certainly in my generation were allowed to watch pretty much whatever we wanted Yep. And so I read Fangoria magazine and and Starlog magazine and all these things. So I knew about films that none of my friends knew about, and uh, would beg my mom to take me to movies. And she'd be like, "What in the world is this? Where do you hear about these things?" You know, uh, and then wonder why I didn't want to go see Back to the Future Part Two or something. I wanted to go see something else. But uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I I saw some of those films as well. They just I think Will and I both share this unique aspect uh, to us that those films, as great as they are, uh, and I do probably like some of those maybe more than Will does, but uh, I think since Will's revisited them, he like might like some of them more than I do at this point. But, you know, there's a generation of folks who love those films, like E.T. and all, and, I, and I love those films, I do. But I don't know, man. If I When I was a kid, I was always looking for something other than E.T. <laughs> and... Uh, it's true. It, it's just crazy that, uh, you know, the taste is that way and people's taste is that way. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. 
Yeah. And, you know, every kid's got it, right? I mean, you know, every kid's got something. My son uh, likes Stranger Things a lot, for instance, right? Oh, yeah. And, and I know you and your family watch it, and I've watched one episode of it, and I could I could take or leave it. It doesn't do anything for me. It just uh, I was bored out of my mind. But, uh, you know, I, I don't befuddle or, or not befuddle. I don't belittle anybody that watches that stuff because that stuff means something to him right now. So, uh, but he did ask me today if he could hang movie posters in his room. And I said, well, sure. What do you want to hang up in there? And he says, well, I want to hang Fury Road in there because you let me see that one. And uh, that's really one of my favorite movies ever made. And I'm like, well, that's not a bad choice. He's like, you think mom would be mad? I'm like, nah, not for Fury Road. <laughs> Amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fury Road was his, his first taste. First taste of the forbidden fruit. <laughs> what was it? What, is it they say? what a beautiful day and what a glorious day. <laughs> yeah, you got the good taste of the, the Fury Road, which is not a bad way to start your rated R adventures, I guess. No, it's it's a pretty good one because it's not as awful, uh, you know, or cruel as some of them. There's a, yeah, yeah. Well, you can chew on as a, as a film lover and, and sort of break down for your film loving child. It's yep. uh, a good gateway. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sounds like Sadie would rather she would rather us start with uh, Mad Max, but I I had to. She's gonna. She just needs to calm down. I had to break him in slow there. Mad yeah, Max, a little I too know. hardcore. She's a purist. Right? <laughs> He's a purist. Uh, speaking of which, our our football coach has the uh, like Australian cattle dog or whatever, like Max has. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Those are great dogs. Yeah, those dogs are great. All right. Let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, for the record, I'm only going to talk about one thing because I talked about this in the in, uh, in the uh, preview, for, in the kind of opening for the show last week, that if you want to hear what I've been watching over the last week or so, just go listen to the Not A Bomb show they did last week or the week before. I'm on there talking about everything that I watched. I will mention one film in there because it's kind of a new hot film. I'll talk about it here. But uh, I'm not going to talk about everything I watched up there. So let's hear what you've been up to, though. Not much. We're full swing rugby football season, but I managed to get a few things in that I want to talk about. First up, um, I don't know where I, I fell down a rabbit hole looking at something, and it led me to David Lean's Brief Encounter. And uh, oh, it's on the wow. Criterion Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a time by myself, and it was one of Lean's leaner efforts at about 90 minutes. Nice, nice. And wow, this really, really bowled me over. What a tremendous film. This is one of those, and it's also on Prime, I think, too, I should say. Um, Trevor Howard, Celia Johnson, Noel Coward. It, Richard Burton. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we look at old films and we don't sometimes don't think they're very um, nuanced or complex. They're very simplistic in maybe the way they approach emotional uh, relation, like relationships or emotions or social situations. And this deals with um, uh, an affair. Mm. Um, a brief encounter, if you will. Brief encounter, if you will. Mm. And it <laughs> is fantastic. Yeah, I saw that a long time ago. Didn't quite understand it. I was a little young. Probably need to revisit that. It's so good. It's so good. Celia Johnson and Trevor Howard, especially Celia Johnson, but Trevor Howard as well. Just tremendous in it, and mm -hmm. the, the, it's very deft and adept at dealing with something that, on the surface, you know, and it, I think it deals with that stuff that you and I talk about, where we don't. It's a very human thing, and it doesn't wag the finger 
in spite of being made in 1945. It's a very heartfelt, clear-eyed look uh, at people in a, an unfortunate situation, right? So very, very good film. High nice. recommend. Nice. Um, next up is one that I've been meaning to see for probably, I don't know, maybe about a year. 2021 film, uh, Swedish film. Uh, our friend Joe's uh, Yellow Veil had the rights to this one. Uh, it's called Knocking. Mm. I've heard of this. I haven't seen it. It's on Shutter, Amazon Prime, a few different spots. It's uh, sort of a, an unreliable narrator, kind of a psychological thing. This woman hears this knocking in her, in her apartment. Doesn't know what's real, what's not. I quite like this. I thought it was uh, proof, you know, lean and mean, 78 minutes. Uh, proof positive that you, if in the right hands, you can really spin things pretty tightly um, without a lot of fanfare and pomp and circumstance, right? So good stuff. Really enjoyed that. Uh, caught up with Jackass 4.5 or 4.5. I applaud them for having this much great material still with what essentially is sort of a bonus feature skit compilation. Um I can't believe they butt chug hot sauce. Uh, that's gross. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's also <laughs> it's also amazing. Um, loved it. If you love Jackass, you'll love it. If you don't, you won't. So mm -hmm. that's that. Uh, Rewatch Goodfellas. Um, you know, with uh, really at his passing. I feel I'm gonna say about this. This film is. Very, very good. But I don't think it's quite the masterpiece I thought it was up until this point. Interesting, interesting. I mean, it's solid like 8.25, maybe 8.5 territory, right, 8.5 territory for me. Mm -hmm. But in my head, it was like a 9. Yeah. And I saw this, and I'm, no, this is still very good. And it, to be honest, it's not Leota's, it's more of an ensemble thing, right? As much as Leota's the narrator and so forth. It's, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. an ensemble with Pesci and De Niro and him. So, and uh, a few other actors, but still a tremendous film, obviously, you know, you know, don't throw the tomatoes at me too soon. It's, it's still fantastic. But, <laughs> yeah. um, well, I think, you know, uh, the films are reinterpreting films as part of the reason why we go back and look at stuff, right? Yeah. It has nothing to do with your actual taste. I mean, uh, I love it, but to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I watched it all the way through. So maybe I, maybe I wouldn't love it if I watched it all the way through again. Yeah, I, I would say I still love it, but I think there's better examples of Leota's uh, chops. Um, Copland comes to mind for me as one I really love of his around that era. I really love that performance. But this is still a tremendous film, obviously. And um, William wanted to watch this, uh, so we watched it with him. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And it was interesting to have that conversation like, well, wh why did he do that to his friends? Well, his friends were criminals, William, and... You know that's the way it goes. It's gonna end one of two ways. Neither way is good. Um, yeah, honor so among honor among thieves, right? Right, right, exactly. But uh, no, good stuff. Uh, Mike Stone shows up, of course, which is hilarious. He's a meathead and everything. Uh, and then finally, Stranger Things four. Yeah. Um, we got the last episode to go still from this sort of bunch, but uh, digging what they're doing for the most part. Some of it's a little too play a little too broad for my taste, but by and large, they really expand the the universe. They add a lot more menace. Um, 
I was kind of discussing this with, with my sons, how it feels like their core audience, uh, like the kids that, that watched it, now they're three years older, so it feels like they've upped the ante and the intensity for them as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. Like I said, there's some definite nods to Nightmare on Elm Street and It and some other things. Um, but yeah, very excited to see where this goes. Great if, uh, if you watch this episode four, tremendous nerve-wracking ending uh uses a kate bush song wonderfully i'll, I'll never hear it the same without thinking of this particular scene in this film on uh, this uh, series so nice. yeah that's it that's it that's all, all right. you hear sadie clickety clack clickety clack behind me yeah yeah i can hear clickety clacking yes come on girl enough of that clickety clacking good lord anyway yeah hold on one second i gotta I got to do something here real fast. All right. Yeah. Uh, so just had to get some things sorted there to keep the kids preoccupied while I record a podcast here. Um, Landon's going through that phase where he doesn't want to be a big brother, but uh, I'm going through that phase where I'm making him be a big brother. <laughs> so that's just the way it goes. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot. I mean, well, I did watch a whole lot over the last couple of weeks, but I really only a couple of things I'm going to mention here so we can kind of get into the review and kind of keep moving here. Um, but while I was up in uh, Baltimore, I did check out uh, The Sadness, which is on Shudder. Um, this is a uh, Taiwanese horror film directed by a gentleman from Misagua. Misagua? Misagua, Ontario? Or Mississauga. Mississauga. Yep. Named Rob Jabaz. And uh, it, it's it's something else. Uh, I got to say, it's, it's a little heavy on the politics. Um, but not as it's, it's rewatchable. Unlike what I think, uh, like Serbian film was heavy on the politics too, but not, uh, this is, this is as extreme in some ways. I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, but, uh, probably I, I wouldn't compare it to that. That that's obviously trying to offend you. This one is, it's a, it's basically a zombie type film with kind of COVID politics and, uh, things like that. And, it's really an interesting take. I think the reason why it's interesting is because it's a Canadian making a film in Taiwan about American politics. It's very weird. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting take. <laughs> huh. I'm going to have to check this one out, man. It's uh, Yeah. Well, I'll just warn you. It's insanely graphic. So I don't I'm know. I'm going to watch the kids. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. The poster says the sadness, like the, there's a quote, the sadness is the most violent and depraved zombie movie ever made. I don't know about that, but it is certainly, I will say this, it is certainly violent and depraved (laughs) and uh, pretty gross, uh, but also pretty insane and uh, was kind of stunned at where it went. Uh, And as I've thought about it, I've only started to like it more and more. So yeah, no, I think it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, And I don't even look for films like that anymore, right? Like I'm not the guy always looking for the extreme thing anymore. I do love transgressive cinema. That That is a known fact and I always will, but it's it, it kind of has to fall in my lap now unless it's made by a filmmaker I love. Um, and uh, I don't know if I love Rob Jabaz, but uh, I certainly like what he did here. Uh, and the only other thing I really watched was uh, Top Gun Maverick, which I went and saw with uh, Landon. We went and saw it. Um, he loved it. He loved it with a passion. Uh, me, not so much. <laughs> so you've, you've just done what I was hoping you would do. Yeah. And that is, is either deter me or coach me to the <laughs> well, D box. Well, here's what I'll say. It's it's uh it's a good film. Hang on one second. 
Anyway, uh, like I was saying, I'm recording again here. The uh, the film is good. I enjoyed the film. Um, but I don't think it's the second coming, no doubt. Tom Cruise thinks it's the second coming, but I don't think it is. Our boy, Troy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I understand people loving it. I do. First of all, I don't love Top Gun. I think it's an okay film at best. I think it's probably more influential than it is good. Yep, which is absolutely a thing. We've talked about that many times on our show. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, and I don't, again, for those who, if that film hits you at the right moment, that film is very important to a bunch of kids from the 80s. I can tell you that. Yep. Um, but again, it was not one that was very important to me. I always liked the look of it, but the film was very empty to me. Uh, this is the same thing, although I think the film doesn't look as good. They really try to ape the magic hour shots that Tony Scott got went for, but. Tony Scott was Tony Scott, and I don't think anybody really does Tony Scott more than Tony Scott did. And uh, they, there's people that try and come kind of close, but it's, he seemed to have some kind of some kind of mojo there that I don't I don't quite understand. I will say this: the first two thirds are a bit of a chore to get through. At least for me, they were. They were nostalgia bound. It was very important that they flash back to the other films and things that or the other film and things that happened in the other film. And it was really, really heavy-handed, really, really just kind of slavish to the fans of the original. So I can understand why some people might love this movie, because if they love Top Gun, this film is paying homage to Top Gun <laughs> for about 45 minutes to 50 minutes of it. And, uh, you know, I just, I, just, I just can't get behind that. The aerial stuff is amazing. I will say that, the way they shot it and the way they did that stuff. And the finale is definitely worth a look. The finale is very good. Um, they really went all out with for the finale. It's like the last 20, 25 minutes of the film. That is really good. I mean, that is really the saving grace of the movie, in my opinion. Um, if, if that wouldn't have been there, I don't even know if I would have liked the film at all. But, um, yeah, I don't love it. But, you know, it was a good time. It was a good time. But I'm seeing people say this is the best film of the year and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, I, I you know, I don't know. Uh I mean, is it better than Doctor Strange? Yeah, it's better than that. But I, you know, I've I've seen better films than that in a in a closet when I was eight years old. So uh, I don't know. I just uh, I I don't understand blockbuster filmmaking at this level. Why it has to be so appealing to everyone? There's no there's no stakes in this movie at all. I mean, the bad guys in this film are <laughs> they don't even identify them at all. They're just bad guys that live in a snowy landscape. And there's no country or nothing because you can't offend anybody. If you offend anybody, you know, you're not going to be able to show the movie. It's got to be sold internationally. You yeah. Can't do yeah. You can't offend anybody. And it's to me, that's just, I, I, I can't get behind that. Uh, to me, I'm just like, you know, pick, make a country up, <laughs> you know, make a country up. Are you too scared to make one up like Squasconia or something? Well, like Parmistan. Parmistan. There you go. We all know Parmistan has a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, one of which is not pommel horses in random places. That's right, that's right. Or you know those little trampolines in random spots. Listen, the tax dollars are well spent. Yeah, but again, I did enjoy the film. Uh, Landon liked it a lot, if not loved it, and I I totally get that. And yeah. a lot of people are, a lot of people do love it. But I think you know those of us, especially those of you who don't love Tom Cruise, and I know you're one of those. If if those of you who don't love Tom Cruise, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of this. Um, 
but you'll, you'll probably like the action sequences, but that's probably about all you'll like. I do like Tom Cruise. I like him quite a bit. I think he's old school movie star. Uh, I think he's insane. I have no doubt about that, but I, I think that, and I'm not talking about the stunts he does and everything else. I'm talking about Tom Cruise himself. I think he's insane, but I'm okay with that. I can put that behind me for the sake of a movie and watch it and stuff. Um, but yeah, this one just, it, I don't know. It just too much nostalgia for my taste. So you know how I feel about that kind of stuff. So fan service more than, yeah, yeah. More than an original story and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, people are talking about how the characters are real detailed and stuff. I'm like, what's the detail? They give them a, they give them a call tag and that's how that, that's about the, about as deep as it gets. Can I ask you this? What? What would your Top Gun call tag be, Will? Man. I'm going to go with pancake. French toast? Well, not French. Well, no, but you're, but you're close enough. We, 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 I could go French toast. I could call you French toast. What would you call me? What would you call me? I, wouldn't, I won't be offended. Call me whatever you want. Um, <laughs> here. Herbs and spices. No. <laughs> no, I got to think about that, man. I gotta think yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah, well, I mean, right in the group. The the reason why I bring up pancake is because to me the 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 names are almost stereotypes. Yeah. So Will's Canadian. For those who don't know, pancakes. I mean, maybe we should maybe we should have said maple syrup, or maybe we should have said I don't fucking know donuts or something. I don't know. But you may as well call me tobacco, or uh, I don't know bluegrass. That's right. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or hillbilly. I mean, it, oh, that would be just so ridiculous. Lady. Yeah, but it, I mean, the names of the characters in here are stuff like Hangman and uh, stuff on. like that. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, why are they cool? Like, you know what it's like? It's like when you you have like a WWE game and you can give yourself like there's like a choice of like forty nicknames. Yeah, Executioner, Hangman, <laughs> Hangman. Uh, I just wish they would have had a little bit more originality there and, and a little bit more fun. Now. I won't say too much about it, but you know they work Val Kilmer uh, somewhat into this film. I won't say too much about it. I found that really well done, and maybe that might be the only reason to really see the film. That and the finale. Well, then you've kind of got my interest peaked because that was what I would watch this for. Is I'll say if your kids want to watch it, I'll tell you to watch it. If your kids don't ever watch it, I'll tell you never. I would say you're not going to miss anything, especially considering I know you're not a huge Top Gun fan. If you were a huge Top Gun fan, I'd tell you to go see it. But if you were a huge Top Gun fan, you would have went and saw it already. I've already seen it. It, it, Top Gun was the first movie that sold me a bill of goods at a young age that I quickly realized was not true. I was six Hmm. years old, wanted to see the theater. I'm sure I've said this on the show before. Wanted to see the theater. My dad took me to get it or to get it. Took me to see it. We watched it. I didn't understand fucking Berlin and the motorcycle scenes and yeah, the love yeah. angle and all this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wanted more, uh, you know, more Tomcats and all this stuff. <laughs> Seen it since many times. The only thing that stirs my soul is the baby oil denim volleyball scene and yeah. you know a little bit of that stuff. Some of the machismo, but which they like- they revisit in this with another type of scene of ocean football or some sort. No. I don't doubt it. And Cruz has his shirt off, right? Tell me he does. Well, what do you think? Of course he does. Of course he does. And of course, course, he, so. of course he runs. Oh. And he does all the Tom Cruise things he does. I mean, there are, you can literally make a, a checkbox, a checklist of things Tom Cruise does in all of his movies, and he does, he nails every one of them. Are yeah. these things on your bingo card? Does he pump his fist triumphantly? Hell yes, he does. Yes. So we're, we're taking off. See, the bingo card is, is getting filled. 
Uh, I can tell you this. When I saw the, the, the trailer for it, I thought to myself, this, like my, my father and my father-in-law are going to be there day one. Sure enough, my dad called me going bananas. Like he. He loved it. Yeah, my kids, hard eye rolls, hard <laughs> eye rolls. Well, I'll say this. It is, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I really don't. Oh, no, because listen, you and I have talked about this, and I know what you're going to say, and I, I'm. This is dad cinema. It is, right? And, and <laughs> It totally is, and I mean that in the most heartfelt way. I really do. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I'll go see this, and I'll probably see this at some point for sure, but yeah. it, it, dad cinema, this is like. If I was wearing New Balance, I would have given this a full star more. Yes, New Balance, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. With, with a couple of crispy boys uh, yeah. post post film. Oh, come on, yeah, I'm going to say I do own some New Balances. I'm not. I'm not. I, look, I'm, I, I am a dad for Christ's sake. But I have New Balance, and hey. I, I've been known to wear jorts here and there. But <laughs> yeah, well, of course. So I mean, you know, look, I'm not making fun of anybody. Seriously, I'm not. If you love the film, you love the film. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I did like it. Um, I can't say whether I'd buy uh, the. Me telling anybody on this show whether I'd buy it or not on a home media, home media, is not a sign of I love something or not because I own so much stuff I'm, I don't like. So <laughs> that's never going to be a good sign. But I'll yeah. tell you this: it's not a day one purchase for me, so that ought to tell you something. If I come across it cheap one day, I might pick it up. I, I think I'll see it. And I think there'll be something to be said for. I think it's probably good, safe spectacle summer filmmaking. It is exactly that. Mm-hmm. It is the most. Uh, bloodless safe inoffensive blockbuster i have seen in some time i wonder if they did use chinese money to make this somewhat don't know i really don't i really don't know i would not be surprised but uh they definitely go out of their way not to offend anybody which is just that comical absolutely makes sense to me i knew that was going to be the case but again we don't want to sound like we're riffing or ranting on anyone because like we've said cruise knows what he's doing I mean, he, he yeah, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a worldwide movie star for a reason. He knows what he's doing. Hey, and I'll give it to him, man. Like, yeah, yeah he works are. his ass off. He does product. He has a vision. Yeah, he does stuff that guys half his age would never do. I hardly he, ever say this about any actor, but that guy gives a hundred and ten percent in every movie he makes. He does absolutely. Whether you want to look at it as a vanity project or not, listen. Regardless of anything, he gives it everything. Yeah, he lays it all on the line. I mean, it's. It's all or nothing for him every time. Yep. And uh, I do admire him for that. Uh, okay, we're going to take a short break, come back, and uh, talk about Time Rider, The Adventures of Lyle Swan from 82. We'll be back right after this. Stories out of rhyme Chasing faces lost in time Seven children dream of sleep Losing count of hours to keep Singing songs from yesterday It's got to feel so good to get away Lonely hearts club left there's no shame in pain, there's only time
All right. You feeling uh, feeling kind of groovy there, man? That was good, man. It reminded me. It's kind of like it's very synth wavy. It, it's kind of like the love child of a real hero uh, by like like Electric Youth on the Drive soundtrack. Oh, and nice. Take the clock by the Chromatics. Yeah, yeah. Well, what that's that is Chromatic, the Chromatics. So there you oh, go. Really? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Oh, so there you go. It sounded very Chromatics to me. So. Yeah, there you go. I'm not as familiar with that kind of music as you are, so uh, I'm impressed that you picked that up. That that's the Chromatics. How about that? Well, the hangman knows his synthwave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the pancake knows what he's talking about. The pancake knows. <laughs> I can tell you that the hillbilly knew the pancake would know. <laughs> I think I should just be called Flap and you Jack or one of the other. We'll just call ourselves Flapjack, yeah. Flapjack. Hey, I love it. Listen, let's do it. T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, there you guys go. Uh, Flapjack coming at you. Here we go. Uh Tom Ryder, the adventure of law the adventure of law swan 82 1982 during pg rated here a maverick motorbike racer wanders into a top secret time travel research test site which unintentionally teleports him to the mid 1800s and ends up having to fight violent outlaws for his survival this is directed by william deer we'll talk about him a little bit and probably the most prevalent piece of information people should know about this is that it was produced and co-written by michael nesmith uh, yep. he of the monkeys mm-hmm. and this seemed to be a bit of a pet project of his really and stuff. Cause he does the score for this film too, which is kind of unique and odd and quirky. Uh, and I quite enjoyed the score quite a bit, actually. Um, we had seen this before. And for those who don't know back a long time ago, when we started this almost 14 years ago, we created these roadmaps because you used to have to rent movies a lot more. They weren't as accessible as they are now. Uh, we didn't have huge collections or streaming services or all these things, or even YouTube didn't have this much stuff on it. But, and this, by the way, for the record, I did watch on YouTube. Uh, I think Will might have as well. I don't know. Uh, there's a really good I, HD copy on YouTube. I know that. There is. It, it, there is. It's excellent. I have a VHS of it, but my VCR is conked. So I, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's available in all kinds of ways. But again, even if we wanted to back then, we couldn't even rent something digitally. So when we started the show, there was no. I mean, if you go back and listen to like Trouble Man, that was like the first time I ever used Netflix Instant Watch, is what it was called back then. That's right. And I had zip.ca. Yeah. So we used to have to make these roadmaps to make sure we both watched the same things and uh, timed it out correctly. So this was on that map from way, way, way back. And uh, I had a copy of it somewhere, but it was just easier to pull it up on YouTube and the HD copy, which I think I have a DVD copy, but this is HD on there. And uh, give it a rewatch. You had seen this before, like I said. And uh, how'd you feel about this on a rewatch? So I felt, <clears throat> I felt probably pretty close to how I felt when I'd first seen it. I think the elevator pitch to a fellow film fan or someone listening to our show is: this is a kind of a Sunday afternoon curio project adventure film with a likable cast. Mm-hmm. Kind of riffs on Back to the Future a little bit. Uh, has some GDTMC favorites. So, yeah, I mean, let's look at the cast, right? We obviously are doing this film for Fred Ward. Correct. And Fred Ward, it's kind of an, it's a suitable, it's a very fitting choice because say what we will about the film. I mean, is this going to be our favorite film? Maybe not. If we were younger, maybe could it be one of our favorites? Sure. Like this or like the dirt bike kid, not to use another you know, dirt bikey film, but <clears throat> they're kind of curio pieces from an era when 
dirt bikes and BMX and bike culture itself was very hot. Right. Um, but Fred Ward, looking at this, regardless of the whole film itself, mm-hmm. the, the big takeaway is Fred Ward does what we love Fred Ward for, and that is he looks like a tough guy, he looks menacing, yet he's got this great comedic timing, and he's selfless and egoless enough to not be whoa come on now not be sort of macho and he doesn't have to be gritty and he can kind of you know just uh, like much like he does in you know Remo Williams he's a bit bumbling and yeah tremors you know he does a thing where he's kind of a little bit you know and I don't want to riff too much off the film here but I was thinking about this watching this because this really is one of the few films that we get a lot of Fred Ward is he would have been great in like a Jack Burton kind of role yeah, I think I think the thing with Fred Ward to kind of talk about him a little bit since he passed away, he had a you know a Charles Bronson like face, maybe a little bit more charisma in his face than Bronson had, but certainly uh, like a boxer's face. And uh, but it had he had charm. He was never he wasn't a super tall guy uh, and stuff, but he was always very likable and uh, really the definition of a character actor in a lot of ways. But they really tried to push him in the early eighties a little bit as a star. Um, I think the first thing that really got him recognition, if I recall, was probably escape from Alcatraz mm-hmm. with uh, Clint Eastwood and stuff. Hey, one of the brothers or he- yeah, yeah. He was one of the brothers with uh, Clint Eastwood uh, that got out off the Island, but uh spoiler alert, but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that was one of the first things I remember seeing him in. But of course, obviously Remo was a huge part and we've talked about Remo in the past. Yep. His charm and his demeanor is that of a Jack Burton type character, right? This Kurt Russell, uh, charming rogue character, the kind of Harrison yep. Ford, Han Solo s type character. These these characters we love, and you got to have the right actor in the right piece for that to really work. And I think that Fred Ward he nailed that a few times in his career. Unfortunately, I don't think he ever really got any really really good chances. I mean, there were some good. There were other films I thought of when we we talked about doing a Fred Ward film. Yeah, there are other films where he stretches his legs more and would have been more interesting. Henry and June would have been an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. uh, there's there's other stuff that he's done. Miami, uh, whatever that one is, Miami Blues, Blues. yeah, with yep. uh, Alec Baldwin stuff. That would have been interesting to talk about, obviously. And there's other stuff as well. But I think the one of the things I'm kind of glad I'm glad we did this for two reasons. One, it was on the list since the get go. But two, this is kind of that charming likable Fred Ward matinee star type thing. And I think you nailed it when you said that. This to me, this film to me is like the definition of a a lazy Sunday watch. Yep. Uh, it's, you don't have to be too committed to it. Uh, you're not going to, the science behind it doesn't really matter. No. Uh, it's really just about a guy on a motorcycle that ends up in the Old West and them trying to figure out why he's on a motorcycle and thinking he's a demon and all these other things they're thinking. And, uh, it's it's really nothing more complicated than that. It's really very simple. As a matter of fact, I'd say the logic doesn't make any sense at all at some point. I mean, at some point, I'm not going to talk about the ending. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But at some point, I'm thinking, how did, how did they? What how did that happen? Yeah. But that's not important. I think the important thing is, like you said, it's kind of like a breezy Western or something like that. It's, 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 it's inoffensive. It's simple. Well, I don't know if it's inoffensive because it was a different time. But it's certainly... Well intentioned, well intentioned, and and, and no. safe, like a safe, an easy safe watch, right? I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the way that it's just fun, lighthearted fare. 
you know what this is too this really is sort of one of the like it's kind of an ultimate mashup of generational views like you get the western for the dads of the time mm-hmm, you get mm-hmm. the bmx culture with the space travel stuff for like the kids of the time mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. a mixtape or a mashup of these two genres that you know father son can really bond over right like right. some for him some for him right or her yeah yeah, uh, yeah i mean i guess i guess there's some elements of it that could be for a female as well but it is it is it's a dad movie <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. we talked about it really is and I mean that in the most positive way possible. I mean that in the most positive way possible. I really do. It's got a great cast, and if you love character actors, I mean, you get your fill of character actors in this film, yeah, right? They do. We we kind of talked about it. I, we, I don't know if we talked about the cast at all, really, but you got Peter Coyote playing the main bad guy here, Porter Reese. You got Richard Masseur in here, Tracy Who's Walter. That? Yeah. Tracy Walter. Who, did you have the Tracy Walter action figure from Batman? Uh, I didn't, but I remember somebody that did. And I used to think it was amazing that Tracy Walter got his own action figure. <laughs> Ed Louder, who unfortunately never got his own action figure, but deserves one. LQ Jones in here. Chris Mulkey's in here. Um, um, the guy that plays the doctor, Macon McCallman, he's he's been in a ton of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, William Deere himself is is actually in the movie as one of the technicians, and he directed this. And he had something to do with the Rocketeer and and other things. And this has that kind of feel of things like the Rocketeer. And he directed Angels in the Outfield. And I think he uh, yeah, I think he did one of the Harry and the Henderson films. I think he did a uh, well, I guess he did. Yeah, no, he directed Harry and the Hendersons. Jesus, I didn't even know that. He has a certain niche. I think a Toronto boy. Let's hear it for him, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you look at that. There's a very consistent through line. Harry and the Hendersons, The Rocketeer, Time Rider, Angels in the Outfield. These are all sort of Sunday family. Um, he did. You know what's so funny, man? I'm looking at his credits now, and I was about to say this feels like a really polished, extended version of like a, an Amazing Stories episode. And sure enough, he directed an Amazing Stories episode. Yeah. So I think he probably came up with a bunch of those guys, maybe, and and was probably just kind of in the background a little bit, and must have made something. He did in a film in 1976. He did a film called Northville Cemetery Massacre, which I, I just if you heard that click, that was me clicking on it. The poster for it is amazing. It is. It's very sort of seventies exploitation. It really is. It looks like, like it might be line or. I'm know. wondering if I've seen it or not. I don't know if I have, but I, I need to rewatch it either way. But yeah, no. His, if you if those any of those films kind of tickle your fancy a little bit, that's the kind of film that this is. I mean, it reminds me of something like Angels in the Outfield or Harry and His. It's very in, inoffensive, just kind of light fare, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a. I was just going through the cast. I'll, I'll kick it back over to you. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, no, no, I was about to. So you're you're right there with me in lockstep. Um, you know who else this kind of feels like to me, and maybe it's just sort of the bike stuff and the stunty kind of stuff in the era. But it almost feels like this could have been like a fun little side project for like Hal Needham or something. Yeah, well, I think what the film misses, and I don't know if you feel this way, I don't need it to be rated R or to be ultra violent. I don't need it to be that. I really don't. No, but it. it 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 could use a little bit more teeth. I I agree with you. And if we're going to nitpick this film, because we, we, we've given Fred Ward his roses for his turn in this and yeah. everything, but let's also be a little critical of the film here. I think that my biggest problem is exactly what you've just said, and that's the fact that we get Peter Coyote, 
who is these are very goofy, almost a Disney esque yes. villains. Yes, um, we get a little bit of teeth from Richard Masur, which is nice for a change. Yeah, because he's usually the very kind of bland, kind of daddish character or something, right? He's he's a he's an amazing. He puts in a ama- speaking of dad roles, he puts in an incredible dad role in License to Drive. Yeah, I mean, I love Richard Masur. Great character actor. Great character. But this is a little off of what he usually does, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the villains don't have the teeth they should. There's a lot of bumbling and goofiness. And I'm with you. Like, if we can get even Indiana Jones levels of menace, I mean, that was what, PG 13? Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Turn a little bit. And because there's really no. No real stakes here. Like if you could just add a little bit of sandpaper to this, you're really, I think, talking about something here, as opposed to just um, remembering it fondly for the cast, Ward, and sort of the high concept mashup of it, right? Right, I think so, because you can't even really say it's a special effects or anything, because they're not outstanding. I mean, they're no. they're serviceable. Serviceable, but they're not outstanding. And and I did like I did like the relationship between Belinda Bauer and Fred Ward. Yes, I did like that. She's striking. Uh, I've seen her in a few things. She's a very striking looking lady. And uh, I did like those elements. I really like the scene where he's reading to her. She's really kind of impressed by that and mm-hmm. stuff. And I liked L.Q. Jones in this, who kind of plays a good sheriff. He usually plays a heavy, right? And so it's kind of nice to see him playing a kind of. Uh, nicer sheriff type character um and ed louder's good too even though he's kind of got a different kind of character but he's you know he's ed louder and bit of bent a little bit against type for loud what it feels like really is it's like get all your favorite character actors together make a little movie and uh yeah you didn't hit it out of the park but uh, it was a pretty good double you know in the gap yep which absolutely no, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And I agree with you because I think the heavies, the problem with the heavies is they're a little too bumbling and they almost feel like like Apple Dumpling Gang type stuff. And and look, I love the Apple Dumpling Gang. I really do. But that's a kid's movie and I know what I'm in for with that. This feels, the way it starts out, it feels like it wants to be more than that. It wants to be this kind of 80s action adventure film. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of turns Apple Dumpling but at the same time, I mean, these guys are firing bullets like madmen. There's a lot of gunfire in this film and yes. uh, action set pieces. And it's just kind of bizarre. It's kind of a bizarre mix. Like It is. It's it like is. It's, it's it mixed really... in between a little bit, too. Yeah. Right? As much as we say it's a mashup of those two things, not all mashups are created equal. Right. right? So, yeah. You know, you're a little bit twixt in between with this. Yeah. And I, was, I can't remember what film it was now, but I was looking at a film earlier this week and thinking – Wow, this is a weird one. Again, it was betwixt and between. And when you do that, you end up having things kind of cancel themselves out, right? So it doesn't have quite enough teeth, but then does it's a little too much for a little too this for that, this demographic or this group. And, you know, you're kind of stuck in the middle with uh, without the payoff that maybe you could have had had they committed one way more than the other. Right, right. Well, that's that's just it. I mean, it just feels indecisive. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I don't. I mean, of course, I don't know this. I didn't look at any trivia or anything else. I don't know if they shot this a different way, or and just cut it down to be PG, or if they just aimed for it to be PG the whole time. It certainly feels of William Deere's filmography, so I have to believe that it was probably intentional for it to be this way. Yeah, light, sort of a light touch. Yeah, 
from the get-go. I really do kind of have to feel that it has to be that way. Um, because I don't know. It just, there's Again, it's a good film, but there's something missing. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's teeth or what. I think it is the teeth. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I always... I always worry that I'm going to, you know, that we've talked about this before, right? That we always want things to be more, you know, for us, you know. And we grew up watching all these violent films and loving these violent movies and things like that. And sometimes we watch these other things and it seems very chaste and calm. But I didn't want that, but I felt like the film needed that a little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit of, little bit of stakes. I think you and I are clear-eyed enough that this isn't us just saying this to satisfy our bloodlust. Like I, I think if this worked well enough on its own terms, we could recognize that. But I, I think that it just doesn't quite get over that hump, right? It's, it's got enough charm with the cast and the concept and everything that, and again, it, the, the, uh, the shell factory blue slash YouTube, uh, rip looks gorgeous right strong mm-hmm. use of colors yeah all that stuff works in its favor right so but like you said instead of a double maybe get a triple right like right 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 could a little more right i mean there are some nice little touches like when the 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 gang kind of scavenges scavenges off the dead body kind of a ruthless little nice touch um there's some there's some nice stuff i mean there is a zipper montage which <laughs> yeah. well yeah yeah i mean that that speaks to somebody right yeah yeah it's true it is Uh, i mean it is true i mean it's very fetish like it's very strange scene you you know what lion i really rolled my eyes at though like it just felt so on the nose i think peter coyote says it and i think part of the problem is like not only are they bumbling but the bumbling becomes really grating at times um he says that line if general lee had that machine we'd have won the war I remember thinking when I heard that line this time, I remember thinking, what is this said? Is this, is this after this? It made me start thinking, how do we know this is before or after the Civil War? Except for that line, how do we know? Nobody really makes any other statements like that. Why is that line in here? It's very strange. It, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit on the nose, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, another thing, just an observation. God bless Fred Ward and his commitment because it would have been hot as shit filming in that suit with those boots all day. Oh, man. Imagine the smell. Oh, no, I don't want to. Oh, Although there are moments when I'm watching him and I'm thinking, God, it stinks. You know it stinks. Wet leather and the wet boots, all the sweat probably going down inside those boots. He probably lost pounds on this set. He probably did. He probably really did. I mean, this is one of the few times I've really, I mean, I noticed it in Remo Williams too, but I really noticed in this film how kind of diminutive he could be. He's a pretty small guy. Five, six, maybe five, seven. Seems like, yeah, maybe. And, and, you know, not probably like maybe 170, 180 tops. To what you think he'd be, right? Like you think he'd be like six, one, you know, 200 pounds or something. No, no. Well, at least that's what it seemed like. I mean, Richard Masseur is a big dude. Yeah, he is. And he Peter Coyote's a tall guy. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Walter's not, or at least doesn't seem that way. But He does not uh, have presence in that regard. Yeah, but I mean, I, there's just scenes in here where he really just seems really small. And I'm not complaining about that. I actually kind of like that because yeah. it, it, it kind of puts him, essentially in this movie, He's it's a chase film in a lot of ways, right? It's just, you know, basically him running from place to place to place. He's got to find his footing and, and then 
Yeah, and he's not like we said. The thing I like is he's not a tough guy, right? He's he doesn't have the ego like the Seagal ego where he's got to just pound dudes all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The run, he's almost like a jackrabbit in this. Yeah, he's almost like trying to get away. A red leather zippered jackrabbit <laughs> in the future. Yes, right. Yes, so, we could all yeah. be so lucky to be that. We all could be, but I'll tell you, just to one final the sort of betwixt in between is we get a, a great sort of sexual interrogation scene in this, like. I mean, it's not very sensual or anything, but just funny. Some of the it's very weird, though. It's 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 again one of those moments where I'm like, okay, well, you you're trying to put teeth in here again, but your teeth are falling out. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, I mean, PG movies in the '80s and the '70s were different than they are now. Um, but I mean, she essentially takes advantage of him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know. In modern audiences, they would, could interpret that as something else. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to. Plus, I don't want to spoil the. Yeah, which you can kind of, you know, you can kind of telegraph, but it's you get an idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this one. I think, you know, when we do a tribute episode, right? Like, there's always that thing of, are we picking a film that's doing that actor justice? Yeah. And while this film itself is a fun Sunday matinee kind of film it encapsulates all of the things that we love about Fred Ward, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. selflessness as an actor, his comedic timing, his, his great look, um, his, 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 how giving he is as, a, as part of an ensemble, as a character actor. You know, it's, those are all things that really made him shine, right? His likability. Yeah. I think it's a really good example of all those qualities. I don't think it's uh, I agree with you that I don't think it's a great example of Fred Ward, the actor, but... I do think it's a great example of Fred Ward, the working actor. Yes. And, yes. and you know, what we loved about him, which is you, you tuned into a Fred Ward film, you knew you were going to get a pretty solid performance, and Fred Ward's interesting to look at. And yep. uh, he was always, in my opinion, he was always on, even in some seriously bad movies. Um, he just seemed to, he seemed to always be there. Yeah. And for me, that's really all it comes down to. I mean, he's gone now. And there'll be no more new Fred Ward movies. And that's, I mean, he was 79 anyway. He, he was, he's getting up there in age. It's not like he was a young pup anymore, but still, I mean, it, it, it's just one of them things where you just, you, you feel like these people, they put them in these movies and things and they're always going to be there. They, you know, they're always going to be around. And the truth is that's not going to be the case because we're all human and everything. And, and that's the way I felt about it. Fred Ward just felt like a very human actor to me. He felt like a guy you would, hang out with have a couple beers or something yeah i agree i agree i would have loved to have interviewed him i wish you know we had a little more time and ambition to to get some of these sure. people that we love and just you know talking for an hour i'm sure they got great stories be very giving right oh yeah i'm sure he had some great stories <laughs> he worked with quite a few people so i'm sure he had some really great stories oh yeah uh i don't have a whole lot to add i talked a lot while i doing it uh Always uh, enjoyed this. I saw this a lot on cable. I don't. I don't. don't, Yeah, I don't think I saw this one in theaters. I I thought about that how long and hard. No pun intended. But I I I I don't recall that. Um, I also didn't recall Mike Nesmith being as heavily involved here. Now Mike Nesmith was really trying. He really got into film and being a producer and being behind the scenes. You know, he do Repo Man after this, and uh, yeah, which is you know. 
it doesn't matter what you think of it. It's a seminal '80s cult film. Yep. Uh, maybe one of the most '80s cult films ever made. I would oh, yeah. easily say it's top five '80s cult film, no doubt. Yep. And uh, I think that you know he was doing some interesting things, and I think he was trying to do something interesting here. I do think this is a movie made for families, and uh, no doubt that that's what they were kind of going for. And really, the great thing about the film is just watching this cast kind of work together of all these kind of great character actors we love, um, and just seeing them kind of going outside their their norm a little bit. I mean, for me, Peter Cowdy usually plays like somebody's dad, or maybe uh, maybe the kind of the white pompous like bad lawyer or something. Um, and Masur is always playing somebody's dad. Tracy Walter's always playing the same kind of character, and he's not too far off here, but he's a bit more bumbling than usual. But he yeah. can be terrifying when he wanted to be. But, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed quite a bit of it, but I do find it weird. I do I do have a note here saying that, you know, what a weird love scene. I mean, it, the word pounce comes to mind. <laughs> what an advantage. My daughter's looking at the mixer as I'm talking here. I can just see that she's uh, thinking about turning knobs. I can see it processing in her brain. I'm not. I'm looking at that while you're talking. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know you're up to something. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I do like... One thing I will talk about that I've always liked about cinema and what time travel does in cinema. Now, I love time travel movies. I think we all kind of do because it it plays into our fantasies of what we would like to be able to do or what we'd like to be able to fix things or should we fix things or all these kind of things, right? And it really kind of gets our brains kind of percolating a little bit. I do like that they manage to keep the almost melancholy nature of time travel here in some way. Yep. They, 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 they end this film on a positive note, but is it really positive? I don't know. And I like that they kind of complicate the whole story by doing it that way. Again, I think I think the film is <clears throat> moderate to slightly above average. I don't think it's the greatest film in the world. I would only recommend it to people who love Fred Ward or love time travel films or just love kind of 80s oddities because it really is kind of like that. But I do think that they try to do something with the material here. This is at least somewhat interesting. And not a total swing and a miss, like we were talking about, like, you know, the double or maybe even a, a triple. I think that, you know, they, they, they go for a few things here. It just feels like some things are missing. And evidently there is some stuff missing. I was looking through the trivia when we were talking about the film. Evidently there's some, some cut footage and there's some different cuts out there and things. I could see that. I could see this film having, like I said, more teeth or a deeper... Uh, love interest or maybe the bad guys having more to do or maybe even LQ Jones having more to do. Um, it seems like a lot of stuff was kind of left on the table and it seems kind of bare bones a little bit. But I think overall, the film is an entertaining movie, but I would not call it great. But I do think, it's, I do think honestly, it is a good example of Fred Ward's charm and what we loved about him so much. He, yeah. had, he had a unique quality. And, you know, actors like that don't come along very often. No, they definitely don't. Uh, I'll kick it over to you for Make or Breaks MVTs. Excellent. Just a little side piece of GGTMC trivia. So I'm just looking through Fred Ward's filmography as we're talking. Some other stuff that we could have done. Ironically, Fred Ward was one of the co-stars in a Raul Julia tribute we did, Florida Straits. You remember that one? I do remember that, yes. 
Yeah, kind of a fun little made for like an HBO kind of made for TV movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Rolled you another actor who never got his his roses in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about doing Escape from Alcatraz when he passed away, but I thought, eh, well, you know, another time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And there's, you remember that one? We should, if we did this one, we'd have had had, have had uh, Todd on for it, The Prince of Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He, <laughs> he plays Ken Reeves' dad. Uh, Roy Carney, he was on our show somewhat recently with Carney, but yeah, uh, just a great little filmography, right? Like you could just go through. You know, a big blind spot, and I'll get off of this for him, you know, the Ward stuff, is I've never seen uh, The Right Stuff. And he's one of the Oh, principal. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. A lot of people love him in that, yeah. Yeah, so I've uh, I've been in this for years. It's a big blind spot one for me. Interesting. 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 I, so I saw it when I was a kid, and weirdly, it's one of those movies that never really spoke to me the way it spoke to a lot of people in my generation. Some people really love it. Mm-hmm. I, I like it, but it's not... I, I mean... It's it's not amazing to me. See, I might watch it. Um, Braden really loves space, and he oh, loves like yeah. Ad Astra. It's, yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. the stuff he's into. It's pretty cool. But we might watch. It. I know it's really long, though, right? I mean, long f- for a kid. I think it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty long film. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's uh, epic. Epic, but we'll have to watch it because I know a lot of people really love it. So anyway, I I digress. Just. Uh, um, make a break. So this was a bit of a cheat. I don't know. There wasn't really sort of a showcase or showpiece scene for me, but seeing some of his give and take with uh, Ed Lauder, I'm a big Ed Lauder fan. We make no secret of that on the show. But some of his stuff when they're they're holed up together and they're they're trying to work a few angles to get around the Apple Dumpling Gang, as uh, Sammy comparatively uh, called them. Um, I like that stuff. It just shows him, you know, with a guy who's Who's another kind of, uh, dare I say, better than Louder? I don't want to speak ill of the dead. Louder's great <laughs> yeah. as well, but uh, as great as Louder is, I feel like uh, Ward's got a little more diversity in his uh, portfolio. So I uh, like that stuff. MVT, Ward. Of course it's Ward. Other stuff is good, um, well-intentioned, but Ward is, is flat out delivers on what he has to. He's he's death and taxes, right? He's, what, you, he's a character actor MVP kind of guy, right? Right, so, right. Uh, or in this case, the MVT. Uh, oh, my yeah. score for this one, 6.25 out of 10. Not a great film, but like we said, a fun Sunday watch, breezy, stakes aren't high. You can just throw it on while you're kind of doing stuff, uh, having brunch or whatever, doing a crossword puzzle. Who knows? Whatever. You land on the couch, having a, a Bloody Mary or a Caesar, depending on which side of the 49th nice. you're on. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there you go. Enjoyable yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, make a break for me. I got to go with that love scene because it's just so odd in the context of this film. It really is. It's it's just weird. It's It was a weird decision. Um, and just another moment that I realized that people really didn't understand family movies back then. No. <laughs> we still hadn't figured it out yet. Nope. <laughs> oh, just weird. Just weird. But uh, cool in its weirdness, I think, you know, honestly. Yeah. But just, just, just a different take. Uh, MVT, I don't agree with you, Ward. I, I kind of have to go with him. He's the central piece of this thing. Uh, there's a lot of fun performances and kind of goofiness in here. And it's directed well, but I, I think Ward is the reason to watch it. And we're we're in, in Sapatico here with the uh, score 6.25. I agree with you. Nice. It's it's a it's a good, lighthearted, kind of fun watch. Is it is it the kind of movie, again, that I would recommend people... Like, I would not recommend anybody rush out and check this out. No. 
if you're in the mood for something light, something not too taxing that you got to pay too much attention to, because the science here is not very important. It's just it's just an excuse to put a motorcycle in the old west, and uh, they have some fun with it, and they come up with some cool ideas and things, and they have it, it works for that, but uh, it's it, it's also not amazing. But I, I think it's totally serviceable and totally watchable. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, again, it's out there on uh, YouTube and HD, but I know a lot of people did buy that. I think there's a Shop Factory Blu-ray out there. I think a lot of people did buy that. I didn't. I wasn't one of them, sadly. I, don't, I think it might be out of print now. I don't know, but who knows? These things go out of print, then somebody else picks them up. You know how it is. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. All right, so that's the big show this week. I got my daughter pulling on my arm over here. All that kind of good stuff going on. Do we know what we're doing next week? Do we know? Did you? We do. Oh, did you get the tally together there? Yeah, the people have spoken. All right, so we so for the record, Ray Liotta passed away. We wanted to do something for Ray Liotta. Um, Will and I were kind of like, you know, this, 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 this. Why don't, and Will was like, why don't we let, why don't we throw that up on the Facebook page, get the people involved a little bit. So that's what we decided to do. So Will's going to let me know because I have no idea what we're doing next week. So... Yeah, basically, Sammy said you could get with this, and I said you could get with that. Yes, <laughs> this. I said you get with that. That's right. And then the group said you can get with this, you can get with that, you can get with no escape because this is where it's at. Oh, nice! So, no escape is what we're doing, huh? We're doing no escape. The people have spoken, and uh, I'm surprised Copland didn't get more love. But uh, no escape got a lot of love. Unlawful entry would have been fun. Something wild would have been fun. Those are kind of the three. Uh, Three big ones, but no escape uh, by a respectable margin is the pick, which you know doesn't really surprise me. It's a very GGTMC film, right? Uh, Lance Henriksen, of course, Ernie Hudson. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, yeah, that will be. Uh, I have not seen that in a long time, and I remember being kind of mixed on it back a long time ago. So I'm kind of curious to kind of go back and see this. And actually, I guess it technically is science fiction, which is something we don't do that much of. It is science fiction, yeah, and yeah, like I said, it's been. This is almost thir- wow, almost thirty years old. Is it really that old? Ninety four, dude. Oh my god! And it takes place in the post apocalyptic year of twenty twenty two. Amazing. Well, that's that's pretty cool. I I gotta say, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know if that was a coincidence on everybody's part to vote that in, but that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> It definitely is. And there's going to be a lot to talk about. I mean, Martin Campbell directed it, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, have you ever seen it? Have you seen it? Did you say you've yeah, seen it? Yeah, yeah, man. I haven't seen it since VHS, though. But yeah, I, yeah, I haven't seen it since VHS I, either, so like I, I said. I watch it at my pop's house. Yeah. Uh, fond memories. I remember liking this one a fair bit. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of English actors in it, and I can't remember for the life of me, which is kind of sad, who plays the heavy. Henriksen. Oh, that's right. He is. It is him. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got the Henriksen back. Oh, it's gonna man. be fun, man. That's Hudson. Gonna... Oh, yeah. that's right. I thought. Oh yeah, Ernie Hudson. Yeah, man. This is gonna be fun. Kevin Dillon. Oh come on now. Kevin Dillon. Who? You know what? <laughs> People can give him shit. He was good in a few things, man. Oh yeah, no, he was good. He was good. He wasn't bad. He. I know he's kind of known for the uh, the Entourage show at this point, but he he did a lot of fun stuff and you know the Bob and yeah yeah. Probably well, this this will be fun. This will be fun. Who thought Lance Hendrickson would outlive Ray Liotta? Let's just say that out loud. Oh, I know. Tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. It's crazy. Yeah. And uh, genetics is a hell of a thing. I mean, no no offense, to Lance Henry, lifelong smoker, still smoking. 
yep. everything else still kicking. Ray Liotta, who worked so hard to quit smoking, and then passed away at sixty-seven. So crazy, huh? Well, I do want to say this before we go because I, I thought about this in the opening. Or I, I meant to mention this in the opening, and I didn't want to forget. Uh, Bo, I don't, I'm sure you know this. Bo Hopkins passed away a couple of days ago. Yes, I did. Uh, th- I knew there was another actor uh, that uh, meant a lot, and I couldn't. I was drawing blanks, so I'm glad you brought up Bo Hopkins. Yeah, I, I love Bo Hopkins. Uh, yeah, love very much. Again, and I'll say this, and I won't say what film, but uh, Happy Accident. Bo Hopkins will be on the show within a few weeks, so we can look at that as sort of a little bit of a tribute episode as well. Nice. That'll be cool. That'll be very cool. Yeah, yeah, just you look at his filmography, tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. So. See, didn't we have him in uh, White Lightning? Wasn't he in White Lightning? Uh, absolutely, a, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love Bo Hopkins. Well, very unique uh, character actor. In my favorite, uh, argue my favorite movie of all time, The Wild Bunch. So. Yes, he's in that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Not in it very long, but he's in it. Oh no, he uh, <laughs> he gets done dirty. He really does. He really does. All right, so we hope everybody enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with No Escape, which is kind of fun because I really didn't think that was going to win. I, I tell you, my money was on Something Wild all the way. It was on Something Wild or it was on, uh, well, it wasn't going to be NARC, but it was there was another one that I thought would probably get picked as well. I was kind of hoping in a weird way, Turbulence would have gotten picked. <laughs> Turbulence? There's a lot we could have unlawful entry. would have been fun, but I had Kurt oh, versus yeah, Iliota. I like that one. That one's a good one. 90s thriller kind of with like a sexual sleazy 90s angle yeah 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 it's fun it's a fun one um either way ray Liotta, he's will be missed fred ward will be missed bo hopkins will be missed and uh you guys will be missed until next week i will say adios i will say smoothest segue outro in the history of podcasting adios thanks for listening you can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com